Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of the Career Contessa podcast, your shortcut to being more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. I'm your host, Lauren McGoodwin, and between our emotion-phobic society and the debilitating uncertainty of modern times, we usually don't know how to talk about what we're really going through, much less handle it. That's why I'm excited to be joined by Liz Fosling and Molly West Duffy to talk about their new book, Big Feelings, How to Be Okay When Things Are Not Okay, and get some actionable advice on how to handle those oversized feelings. And now, this is the Career Contessa Podcast. I'm so thrilled to welcome back Liz Fosling and Molly West Duffy back to the podcast. And quick background, Liz and Molly are the talented duo behind the book, No Hard Feelings, and the mega popular Instagram at Liz and Molly. Highly recommend that you follow them. And now they're also the authors of a new book called Big Feelings, How to Be Okay When Things Are Not Okay. I think we can definitely agree that things have not felt okay for a while. So get ready to talk about your feelings, emotions, and all those things we're told to push to the side. Liz and Molly, welcome back to the show. Thank you. So tell us about your new book, Big Feelings, and what pushed you guys to write this? And either of you can start. Sure, I can start. So Liz and I wrote, as you mentioned, No Hard Feelings, and that came out in February of 2019. And after that came out, we both went through some difficult times, both in work and life. So it turns out there are such things as hard feelings. (laughs) Um, So we had this idea to write the book starting in January of 2020. And we wanted to focus on difficult emotions that everyone goes through, but that people don't talk a lot about and specifically focusing on how people work through them. And so we pitched it to our editor and our publisher. And they, at that time, were like, "Mm, it's like a little bit too niche of an audience. We don't really know who wants to read a book about hard feelings. So then in June of 2020, after the pandemic had started, they came back to us and they said, actually, we will buy that book. Everyone is feeling (laughs) difficult emotions right now. Uh, So that's how it came about. Oh, wow. Well, okay. So question for you, Liz, over the past year, your online community has, they've laughed, they've cried about probably all the things, but you know, specifically I'm thinking like productivity guilt and pandemic anxiety and zoom fatigue. So now big feelings addresses 
anyone intimidated by oversized feelings that they can't predict or control. What would you say helps people really get this sense of comfort and how to move forward, knowing that you just wrote a book giving people these tools? Like, I mean, this, this guilt and the Zoom fatigue has led into people saying, I need actual tools. Can you talk a little bit about those? Yeah. So in the book, I mean, one of the things that Molly and I actually say in the introduction is that we largely wrote this book to help ourselves too, um, because we were, as she mentioned, going through these really hard things and trying to figure out like, what is it that's actually going to help us move through them? Um, I think it's so common for people when you're going through something really difficult to be like, everything happens for a reason, everything will work out. And that is not practical. It really diminishes what you're feeling. And I think most of us would rather not go through the hard thing, even if later on it does give us a newfound sense of agency or meaning. So we really wanted to dig into like, when you're in it, what can you do? What can you put into practice? And high level, I would say, and what we really tried to do in this book is that so much of it is just pushing back against that guilt and realizing that you are not the only person experiencing this. And that's really, we share our own stories. We interviewed people from all different backgrounds, um, different jobs, different races, different genders, everything to really showcase that like, while people's experiences of these emotions might have unique flavorings, again, it's just like a universal thing. If you get to live long enough, you will go through periods of despair and grief and anxiety, and there will be uncertainty. Um, And so then the book is broken up into chapters that address each of these big emotions with, again, really tactical tips. It was this overarching piece of, you are not alone. It is okay to not feel okay. And you can move through it, but it's first you have to accept that like, it's hard and that's part of life. Yeah. I was thinking right away when you said that about toxic positivity, the whole everything happens for a reason, hustle harder. You know, I think that's been very much this like grind, grind, grind uh, mentality of our culture. And maybe the pandemic is, is just softening people or maybe, maybe more than softening them. It's making them realize like that wasn't working. And so maybe we should try this different approach. Can you talk about Molly? Maybe we'll, we'll go to you. Can you talk about what were some of these big feelings or these common emotions that people, yeah, (laughs) you're nodding your head. Yep. Okay. (laughs) Yes. So we started off with a list of the things that we felt we had experienced and then did a bunch of talking to folks. We actually did a survey of everyone in our newsletter to see how frequently they experienced some of the big emotions. And so the ones that we ended up writing about were the ones that rose to the top of that. Um, so uncertainty, perfectionism, regret, anger, despair, comparison. And I think different people experience different One's of these at different times and two varying intensities, but they are all things that many of us will experience in our lifetime. Yeah. I, I mean, as you were listening, I was like, check, 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 check. <laughs> and you're right at different times of your life, maybe the comparison's higher another time, maybe the burnout is higher. Um, that's the fun thing about emotions. They don't, you know, they come and go at different degrees, I guess. I want to take a quick break to talk about our sponsor, Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because I wanted a supplement that gave me more energy and optimized my immune system. And I wanted something that actually tasted great. 
Now I've been on it for a few weeks and I totally love it. It doesn't taste like it's that super healthy gunk. It has kind of a mild, almost like tropical taste that I actually look forward to having each morning, literally right away in the morning, I start by having my AG1. And you're probably wondering, well, what exactly is AG1? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. So all the things in one scoop. I incorporate my AG1 into my life by having it in the morning with my breakfast. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, what are the other ones? Dairy-free, gluten-free, and it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. And I've got more good things to tell you because it costs you less than $3 a day and you're investing in your health and it's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself. I know because I've tried doing that before with all the different superfoods and it was really expensive. AG1 is a small micro habit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. There's no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash Contessa. Again, that's athleticgreens.com backslash Contessa to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, now let's get back to the show. Do you want to start a company but have no idea where to begin? Or do you have dreams of becoming an influencer? Well, the Life with Mariana podcast is here to help. I'm Mariana Hewitt, a Los Angeles-based influencer and co-founder of the Clean Skincare line, Summer Fridays. Each Tuesday, I'm talking to my friends from business owners, wellness experts, and more to share all of their best advice for you to live your best life. Make sure to tune in and subscribe to my podcast and follow me on Instagram at Mariana underscore Hewitt to see what's coming up each week so you don't miss an episode. Okay. So people who are listening to this are probably very much can relate to this. Um, What are some practical tips that you guys can share about turning these big feelings and these big emotions into something more manageable? Because I mean, to your point, Liz, I think you're absolutely right. People don't want to be told, you know, it's okay. You're going to get through it. They want to be told, here's something very specific that you can do, or here's something that we've seen work for other people. And maybe you guys even have some examples from the people you interviewed, um, that we can share. Yeah. So I can share two, and then Molly, I'll hand it to you if there's something, um, in the book. So the two that come to mind for me that I've actually found most personally useful, uh, one is from the chapter on uncertainty And it's adopting this phrase, I am a person learning to blank. It's really common when we're not sure of the future to start really leaning into anxiety and imagining the worst case scenario and freaking out. And then I talk about this in the book, the self-narrative of like, I don't know what to do. Therefore, I'm a terrible person. Therefore, I'm immediately going to get like fired or lose everything I worked so hard. It's just, it's 
really fast spiral into dark places. And so to shift into a healthier mindset that also allows you to give yourself some grace. It's not, I'm a terrible manager. I don't know how to manage a remote team. It's, I'm a person learning to be a manager of a remote team during a global pandemic. And that phrase alone is like, oh, that's a big task. And so I'm not going to know everything on day one. And that's totally fine. I just moved to a new city. I'm a person learning to adjust to a completely new routine and try to make friends and establish myself in this new place. So I found that really helpful. And the other one is from our chapter on despair. And so it's really when you're going through something that's so hard and those emotions feel like completely all consuming, this concept of time chunking can really help. So it's it's not like, what am I going to do this week? It's really, I just need to breathe and make it through the next hour. Or sometimes I just need to make it through this moment. And that's really what we try to dig into in the book is like, how do you just get through those really hard emotions so that you can get to a place where you are able to step back and reflect and learn from it? You're not always in that headspace. So it's just like, I am just going to practice self-care, binge watch Netflix, because today the only thing I need to do is make it through the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I relate a lot to the uncertainty and I even have, um, I keep it posted on my desk that says stop waiting for the other shoe to drop because I feel like, (laughs) and it's funny because I think part of success and perfectionism is like, you are sort of always prepared for the other shoe to drop. So that anxiety sometimes is like a tool that helps you, but in the same way, it's, it stems more from a place of uncertainty and a lack of control, which makes you go out and just try to find it. And I find that most of the time I do this, I just end up planning for things twice, right? Because like, I just end up, you know, wasting my time. Um, Molly, what about you? What are some examples of, of emotions and, and tools? I think one of the things that I catch myself doing a lot is black and white thinking or like, okay, I either need to work, continue working as I am, or I need to take a month off. (laughs) (laughs) There's no in between. (laughs) uh, There's nothing in between. There's no options in between. I can't fix that unless I do the, you know, total opposite thing. And this actually comes up a couple of times in the book. So the context then, which I'm bringing up is in our burnout chapter where I've experienced burnout. This is experienced burnout. And we ignore a lot of the warning signs before we get into like full-blown burnout and we're like, yeah, I know I need to like more, take more breaks during the day, or I know I need to take a Friday off, but I'm not going to do that because I'm rolling on adrenaline right now. And then suddenly you crash and you have to take like, you know, months off. I think the other thing where that comes up is around comparison where it's like, okay, if I'm struggling with comparison, I have to get off all of social media and that will solve all of my problems. And it's just very reductive and like, you know, it's, it's, it's appealing as a a thinking method. You're like, well, I can't solve this unless I do it totally 180 degrees from this. Um, but instead catching ourselves in the moment and say like, okay, what do I have control over today or this week? So in the case of burnout, one thing that I've been trying to do better is, on Sundays, looking at my week and noticing, okay, if I have a couple days in a row with back-to-back meetings, I know that I'm going to feel really drained after those days. And I just can't keep doing that to myself. That's not fair. That's not a kind way to treat myself. And so how do I push back some of those meetings or cancel some of those meetings? People do that to me all the time. And so, you know, I, I am allowed to do that and taking care of myself, like in the, in between moments. So it never gets that bad. Same thing with comparison. We talk about 
getting off social media, unfortunately, is not going to make you free of comparison. (laughs) I wish that were the case, but we live in a society where we're connected in many other ways. And so, you know, are there ways that you can be on social media? Like I, you know, don't have it on my phone, but I can look at it on my computer when I want to. And instead think about what are the, the ways. And again, we go into this in the chapter that I can deal with that comparison more on a day-to-day level, which is reminding myself to compare myself, not only to the people who are doing better than me or who I think are doing better than me, but maybe the people who aren't as far as along as I've made it in whatever I'm thinking about. Is part of the idea with managing big feelings, I mean, you just said something really interesting to me, which is, I think we have these moments where it's like this high emotion of comparison. And then we, we go to an extreme versus maybe like a daily practice of recognizing like, okay, yes, I'm, there's someone who maybe is doing quote unquote better than me, but think of how far you've come, you know? And so is there a part of this where also checking in with those emotions on a daily basis is a big piece of what helps people take these from ginormous, big feelings to manageable ones? Yeah, totally. We say actually in our chapter on burnout, that well-being is really a state of action. And so to Molly's point, it's not the, okay, it's been a month. It's time to check in on all this stuff that's been happening inside me. It's really pausing when you feel overwhelmed by emotion and really thinking what's going on, what is the need driving this? So it's definitely checking in with yourself and making sure that it's not overtaking you. We also say there's so many forces in our lives, especially I think the past two years have highlighted this, that are not our fault but your reaction is your responsibility. And so with comparison, there's just always going to be someone who's better at something than you are. Like if it's not, you know, if maybe you're making of your friends, like the highest salary, but then someone else gets a cute puppy, you know, then you're like, I don't have a puppy. (laughs) What's going on here? So you're always going to find something. And so I think it, there is some sense of like, do you you want to move to a better place? You can really fester in this, I don't have a puppy, or you can take a step back and detach yourself a little bit from that emotion and be like, actually today, I really want to make the choice not to lean into this, you know, puppy despair. (laughs) So, you know, it's not always that easy, but I do think it's like, it's, it's having, being able to unhook yourself, take that step back and be like, okay, what is really going on here for me? and then move through it a little faster. Yeah, absolutely. I I literally just got asked that the other day in a a workshop I was teaching. And the person was like, how do you not do the comparison thing with the person who just bought the house and got the promotion and you're still renting? It's just like, you can just hear it. It's like, it's like a shame that they're throwing on themselves, you know, the shame blanket. And, um, it's, it, it comes up a lot, (laughs) whether it's a puppy, a house, a promotion, whatever. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. You can learn how to effectively and authentically communicate with Robin Roberts, improve your negotiation skills from Chris Voss, or learn about self-made entrepreneurship from Sarah Blakely. With over 100 classes from a range of world-class instructors, that thing you've always wanted to do is closer than you think. You know, we've talked a lot about negotiating your salary on this podcast. And for that reason, I recommend Chris Voss's masterclass on the art of negotiation. He was previously a guest on the Career Contessa podcast, and his tips for negotiation are really actionable. 
In his masterclass, he teaches you how to implement his field-tested strategies to help you in everyday negotiation, whether it's a salary negotiation or negotiating the services you receive. His classes were really engaging, and I like that he had example lessons where he showed you how to put his tips and tricks into practice. I especially liked his lessons on labeling and mirroring. These were two actionable negotiation tactics that can come in handy in the workplace. It's easy to access masterclass material on your laptop, computer, or mobile device. I was able to explore lessons in any order across my phone, tablet, and computer, or just listen with audio mode. Lessons are approximately 10 to 15 minutes in length, so they fit easily into your everyday schedule. In addition to video lessons, masterclass classes provide you with downloadable lesson recaps and supplemental materials. With masterclass, you'll get access to hundreds of video lessons from a hundred plus of today's most brilliant minds available anytime, anywhere on iOS, Android, desktop, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, and Roku. I highly recommend that you check it out. Get unlimited access to every masterclass. Again, that was every masterclass. And as a Career Contessa listener, you'll get 15% off your annual membership. All you have to do is go to masterclass.com slash Contessa. So that's C-O-N-T-E-S-S-A. Okay, one more time. That's masterclass.com slash Contessa for 15% off your masterclass annual membership. All right, now back to the show. What about employers or managers? I mean, this is a big thing about work was all about don't bring your emotions, check your feelings out the door. Things have changed a lot. What about the relationship of how do you communicate with other people that you work with about your feelings or what's the right way to navigate that as you talk to other people? Do they have any good <laughs> tips of how they did it and it uh, didn't you know, blow back in their face? We talked a little bit about this in No Hard Feelings, this idea of being selectively vulnerable. So as a leader, we do want you to show some emotion. Some emotion builds trust. If I'm, not, if I'm a leader and I'm not showing any emotion, people are going to think that I'm a calculating robot. On the other hand, if I'm a leader and I'm showing too much information, people are going to feel like, whoa, that is too much. I'm going to back away now. So it's, it's really getting that right. And one of the techniques for this is what we call flagging your emotions without becoming emotionally leaky. And this actually comes from Kim Malone Scott, who wrote the book Radical Candor, which we really recommend. And she said she had this moment where somebody on her team said to her, I know what kind of day I'm going to have by the look on your face when you walk in the room in the morning. She's like, oh, wow, I'm not really hiding this as much as I thought I was. Yeah. But to what she said, she was like, it's totally okay to have a bad day as a leader. You're still human. You are allowed to have a bad day. But as a leader, people are going to look at your emotions longer and harder and interpret them in terms of, well, is this person mad at me? Is it something that the team did? And so you have to label them. So she will say now, hey, I just want to let you know, I had sort of a tough morning, you know, kids at home, traffic, whatever it was. It has nothing to do with you, but I just want to flag it so that I don't make your day worse. Or if it does have something to do with the person, then, you know, you bring that up separately. But most of the time it doesn't. Or if you're in back-to-back meetings and you're in a really intense meeting and then you go into the next meeting, people are probably going to tell that you're still distracted. And so just naming that can be extremely helpful. I think another team practice we talk about in this book, specifically in relation to burnout, 
is understanding that we put so much pressure on individuals to deal with their burnout. It's like, you need to meditate every day. You need to take a walk at lunchtime. It's like really hard to do that as an individual when our workplace or our team or society is encouraging us to work, work, work. And so what are the ways that we can collectively support each other? And a lot of this comes from the manager. So as a manager, can you say, hey, we're going to take the first five minutes of a meeting to start late, go get up, move your body, get some coffee, whatever you need to do, or even just starting a meeting with one minute where we all close our eyes and just breathe for a second. And it's much easier to do that collectively. Yeah. It's kind of like community-based versus putting all the emphasis on the individual, which sometimes you need to, like sometimes as an individual, I know like I might not get up and go for a lunchtime walk. And one of the things I do miss about being in the office, which is rare for me to say is like people would get up and go and be like, I'm going to go get coffee. I'm going to go for a quick walk. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll go, you know, it's like, because I had someone to do it with, it was sort of that community piece versus now I feel like everything's on me, including the burnout, (laughs) you know, including managing the burnout. I have to, I have to remember all of it. So another thing you guys talk about in your book, and I love the topic about perfectionism because a lot of perfectionists will tell you that they they don't feel perfect. And then there's this whole identity, you know, tied to their job and their self-worth. And I, I know I experienced this a lot when I, I was working at Hulu and I left my job there. And I remember feeling this weird identity shift and crisis that was happening because what I realized is like so much of who my self-worth was built into being able to be part of this big company. And, and it, you know, it was, it, it was nice. It was nice to know that people, you know, knew of it. And I'm trying to think of like other things, whether it's the company you work for or, you know, the Instagram following that someone has, whatever it is, right. These vanity pieces, you know, Liz, can you talk a little bit about this and, and how you guys, I guess, researched this and wrote about it for the book related to perfectionism and self-worth for <laughs> deriving from your job? <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I think one piece you said that came up a lot in the interviews we did was that perfectionists or people who have those tendencies often don't see themselves as perfectionists. They're like, oh, but I'm failing in all these ways, or I just haven't done X perfectly. How could I be a perfectionist? And What's really at the core of perfectionism is a fear of failure, is this fear of like, if I didn't have this job, if I didn't work at Hulu, who would I be? If it doesn't work out, what does that mean for my future as opposed to like striving for something? So we say that sort of healthy striving, because there's always this question of like, am I a perfectionist or am I just ambitious? What's the difference? And so ambitious is you aim for 100%, you get a 94%, you're still pretty content with that. Perfectionism is, You aim for 100%, you get a 98%, and you really beat yourself up because you missed that last question. And so it's just not healthy. And so a lot of it is this like detaching your worth from your work. So asking yourself questions like, who am I free of expectations? What do my friends love about me? What do my parents love about me, the people around me? It's probably not that you work at Hulu. It's probably not that you get to inbox zero at the end of every day. And so really connecting with those parts of yourself that are not so tied to accomplishments or prestigious you know, institutions or whatever it might be. And the other thing is that I've found really helpful is when you feel this like, oh, I can't fail, like who am I outside of this? Starting to set yourself with psychologists call an approach goal. 
So an avoidance goal is like, I don't want to fail. I don't want to leave this job because who will I be? And an approach goal is like, I'm going to leave this job to kind of explore who else I could be. So it's just, it's more exciting. It's shifting again, this narrative of like, what could I do if I, there were no limitations? If I just really want to impress my boss, how would I give this presentation? And so again, it switches sometimes your stress into excitement and seeing things as an opportunity rather than a complete loss of like who you were and who you built yourself up to be. Yeah. I, I recently stopped making goals that were based on results and more focused on the process. And that's been actually, to your point, it's been fun almost because instead of it being like, I'm a failure if I don't get this result at the end of this goal, it's more about, can I come up with, like, can I focus more on the process and the progress of how I make this goal? And to be, to be honest, I think sometimes goal setting when you are in a world of such uncertainty always felt a little, has recently felt more challenging than maybe before. And that has, to your point about like saying different things and changing the narratives and also like okay, you can still have a goal. You don't have to be a person who completely says, I'm never going to set goals again, but maybe changing the way you set the goal or an approach goal, a process, a goal focused on the process versus the result. If you guys could put together kind of a, I guess like a checklist or a cheat sheet of like, these are the tools or the things you really want to focus on in order to be more in charge, like being in charge of your emotions versus letting your emotions control you, what what would be on that cheat sheet? I mean, I'm thinking like, <laughs> obviously the narratives you say, you know, your self-talk, your narratives, right? <laughs> what else would you guys add? I love that idea. I feel like we should make that. <laughs> <laughs> Note to self, we should yes. make that. Um, well, I think the first thing is that reminding yourself that big feelings are not inherently negative. So we have been taught that feeling bad is bad. And many, and again, we did research on this. We asked our readers and like, you know, 90 something percent of them said that they heard that big feelings were described as bad during their youth. Um, and, And it's true that they can feel really uncomfortable, but feelings are not inherently positive or negative. Um, And when we take the time to understand them, we can learn from them and they can actually serve us. So anger can be a really big sign that we care about something. Um, Regret can be a sign that we want to do something differently. Um, So we can, you know, to make a change in our life. And I think because they feel so uncomfortable, the first thing that we do is try to shut them down. Shouldn't be feeling this, but then we miss out on learning from them, Um, which doesn't mean that it's easy to move through them, but I think it's, it's that. And then I think just reminding yourself that everyone has these emotions, but because we don't talk about them, we think that our emotions are worse than other people's emotions. So when I was going through despair, I was like, I am crazy. No one else has these thoughts. Or if they do have these thoughts, they never return to normal. Like what is wrong with me? And because of that, it was harder for me to open up about them to other people. And I think the same, I mean, that's an extreme example, but the same is true for many other emotions. And I think opening opening up to people who will get it, whether that's a therapist or a friend who's been been through something similar or an online community, can be extremely helpful to to normalize the emotions and know that you're not alone and that you can get through them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this should be required reading. I feel like, and I, <laughs> I do wish it's funny. 
there's an account and it's more for parents and babies, but it's called big feelings on Instagram. And I'm like, you know what? We should have like a big feelings, like curriculum for mm-hmm. us in school, moving on to, you know, even now in the workplace. Um, <laughs> it's just, it, to your point, everyone has them. You feel really alone. And your initial thought is like, get rid of them as quickly as possible. But actually it's probably, Uh, obviously more healthy, but also better for you to acknowledge them and to kind of recognize like, okay, I'm having this big feeling about regret. So what do I want to do differently? You know? So as we wrap up, uh, Liz, tell everybody where they can buy the book at all the links, your Instagram, which by the way, Liz makes these amazing Instagrams. Um, you guys have to check them out, but Liz, tell, tell everybody where they can get everything. This is a great book. Yes. So the book is available everywhere books are sold. So Amazon, your local bookstore, online, Barnes and Nobles, whatever's most convenient for you. And then you can follow us on most social platforms. We're at Liz and Molly. Uh, Molly is M-O-L-L-I-E, just so people know what to type in. And then you can also, if you have questions or want to bring us into your organization, learn more, you can always email us at hello at lizandmolly.com. Amazing. Well, we will make sure to link to the previous episode that we did about your <laughs> first book. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, and we'll also make sure to link to your new book uh, all in the show notes along with everything. Thank you so much for coming on today and talking about big feelings. I think this, like I said, is incredible and in that it, it really should be required learning and reading for everyone. So I think if anyone's been looking for that book that kind of, I think, touches all the parts that they know will help them in that self-development, um, this is it. So thank Thank you so much again. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Career Contessa podcast. Please remember to rate our show and leave us a review. I know everyone asks this and I hate having to be the person who does it, but it really does help because then the algorithm says, oh, the show is pretty good and we should recommend it to other people. And if you want to learn more about Liz and Molly, check out the show notes for all the links. Lastly, we partnered on a communication guide with Liz and Molly that you can download for free in the show notes. The communication guide helps you and your team better understand how to communicate with each person based on their preferences. Because the more you know, the better you can work together.